Um, you know, um, Mortimer Adler is one of the most insightful philosophers that I've, in, in our modern days, a Christian philosopher. He wrote a book, it's one of my favorite books, called How to Read a Book. Uh, it's a really great book. You ought to read it. It's really, it's really insightful. Um, and uh, I think if you read it, you'd probably discover it's pretty insightful. But, but he was a, f- he, he, he kind of made famous this, uh, this, um, he determined how, how do you, how do you figure out truth? That's an important concept. How do we know what the truth is? And Mortimer Adler says um, that you can determine truth in two ways. The first way is a matter of taste, like Coke and Dr. Pepper. Okay, how many of you would be Coke people? Raise your hand, Coke people. Okay, how many of you would be Dr. Pepper people? That'd be me. I'd be a Dr. Pepper person. Um, and, and, you know, one way to determine truth, which one's right, Coke or Dr. Pepper? What's the truth? Well, it, it's a matter of taste. It depends on what you prefer, what your taste is. That's one way to determine truth. But Mortimer Adler also says that there's another way to determine truth. Not everything you can determine as true or false is on a matter of taste. For example, um, math. If I said two times two is four, most people watching online and most people in the room would agree with that, right? Uh, now, if I, if I said, you know, uh, uh, two times two is eight, I would, I could be passionate about it, but I'd be wrong because it's four. It's not eight. Math is a matter of fact, not a matter of taste. And and Morty, my my buddy Morty, I've never met him, but uh, but uh, he determines these uh, matters of taste and matters of fact as a way to to understand what the truth is. Now, uh, you know, let, let me let's think about history, for example. If I were to say to you, um, Abraham Lincoln is the first president of the United States, I could be passionate about it. I could, I could write a book about it. I could put it on Amazon, and, and I could sell it, and I could, you know, go on a speaking tour about it. But, but I would be wrong, right? Because you, we, you know that Abraham Lincoln was not the first president of the United States. He was the 18th president of the United States, right? Hey, I was just testing you. He's the 16th president of the United States. Most of you, I had to look it up. It's okay. You might have, you know. but, 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 you know, um, history is not a matter of taste. It's a matter of fact. You know, we come to the Bible every week, and, and, it's, and it's interesting as we come, to, it's important as we come to the Bible, because when we turn our face to the Bible, we, we come to discern what God says to us. And as we do this, we recognize the authority of Scripture, because Scripture was, is, is God's revelation to man. God revealed himself to man in the history of mankind. So, so many people come to Scripture, and they kind of look at Scripture and say, well, that's a matter of taste for me. Or, or you believe in Jesus, but I believe in Muhammad. They, they, they equate Scripture or, or, or belief in, in the revealed Word of God based on like Coke or Dr. Pepper. It's not my preference. There's a problem with that because 
Jesus entered human history. Jesus conquered the grave. He rose from the dead. And, and, and God's word has proven itself over and over again. And, and, and the Bible is the historic revelation of God to man. And that's why when we come together to approach the Bible, we come to the Bible not with our taste in mind, but we come to the Bible with submission in mind. We submit to the word of God. We submit to the will of God. And, and this is wise to do. First Peter chapter 1, verse 24 and 25 says, For all men are like grass. All their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. So it's wise for us to come to the word of God and let, let the word shape our thinking and change our direction. And, and, and when the Bible, when we come to the Bible, it reveals the story of God, the heart of God, the will of God. And, and, and here's what we do. We, we don't come to the Bible to shape his word. We allow his word to shape us. We allow his word to change our thinking. And, and, and you know, when I look at our culture, we live in a world that is rapidly distorting the Word of God. And, and, and it's why this morning, it's, a, it's an important series for us. It's a series that we're going to have to think a little bit. It, it's a series that is, um, it's, it, it's, it's tense in our culture. It's, it's, it's a tense day a little bit because we, we've got a, we're, we're acknowledging a, a historic event that happened 100 years ago, about nine miles from our church. And, 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 you know, it's an important day to, to, to recognize, important season to recognize the, this, this tragic moment in our own city. Because what that was, was a, a distortion of the image of God in humanity. And, and so if you have your Bibles, we're in Genesis chapter 1. So if you'd open there, um, I would love for you to, to look at that with me. But, but before we do, there, there's, there's a thing, there's something I pray for us, and I want, us to, I want to challenge us as we enter this series. Number one, I want to challenge our church and call our church to focus on prayer. We need to pray for our city. In light of the, the tensions, in, in light of, of, of everything that's around us right now, what, what, what I, don't, I don't want to, I think it would be a miss for us to not, lean into these tensions that are around us right now. We need to, we need to pray for God to use us and, and, and God to use our church. And, and, and you know, we, we pray for the tensions in our city, the healing of our city. We need to pray for our country. Oh my goodness, we, we've made shifts in our country. And, and, and it's God's people when we're called to pray, it moves us to action. So I want to challenge us to pray. We also have to know the word of God. This is something I want to push us to do, to, to wrestle with the word of God. This, these are, not, uh, these are, these are um, sermons that are, we have to think about and, and, and process a little bit. And, and, I, and, and my, my words need to be intentional. And, and, and I, I, I pray that we, we understand the word of God. And allow God's word to shape our thinking. I pray that we understand our times. You know, I've said over and over again that God has, has called us to these days. And because God has called us to these days, he will equip us in these days. But, but one of the things I want to push us to is to know the word. That's why memorizing 
this, it's not an unusual habit for us to memorize a, a scripture, but, it's, but uh, it's difficult to memorize. We don't memorize like we used to. You know, we used to memorize phone numbers. Now we just have it in our phone. We don't, we don't mem- memorize like we used to. Let's know the word. Let's understand our times. You know what? This is a time to build relationships, key relationships. And, and, and here's something I get frustrated. I mentioned a couple weeks ago. I get frustrated with my, some of my pastor friends that, that are, are just barking on social media rather than really building social relationships. And as a church, we are called Christians in the world. We are called to build relationships with outsiders, with people that don't know Christ. We are called to build deepening relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ. And one of the things that I pray that we learn to do is we build relationships and some key relationships. And, you know, when I think about this year, um, God, God is moving us to take some important steps in our, in our city to build this missionary mindset. And and one of the things I pray we live as a church is as missionaries right here, right now. That that we recognize that we are called to, we're called to live on mission every day, sharing the gospel with people. And this is why the purpose statement of our church says this, we are here to love all people to Christ, equipping them on their journey with God and one another. And this is something that we are striving to do, to love people to Christ. And, and it causes us to notice that one of our campuses in, in Tulsa is, is in a neighborhood that's 73% Hispanic. And so this year, we are taking a monumental step. And, and by August, we will have every Sunday morning a service in Spanish. How cool is that? And, and, and so... We need to build relationships. We also, four things, so three, four things. We need to focus on prayer. We need to know the word of, and understand our times. We need to build key relationships. And one of the things I pray is that we yield to the Holy Spirit. Romans 15, 13. Now, I have to try to re-memorize it because I'm memorizing the NIV and it's tough to switch translations. But, uh, so pardon me when I, when I struggle through this. But the way I memorize this is, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things I'm praying for us is that the Holy Spirit moves us because here's what happens when the Holy Spirit indwells in us as every, like he does every believer, he moves us to serve him. So let's look at Genesis chapter one. Would you stand with me? And let's turn our face to Genesis chapter one, starting in verse 26. And it says this, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now let's, let's process this a little bit. When it comes to meaning and fulfillment in life, 
we, we know that contentment and joy is found for any human being in following the Lord. This is why Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes but to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And that, that, that joy comes when we follow the Lord. When we put God's word into practice, stability comes when we, when we do what God calls us to do and live the way God calls us to live. And clearly in this passage, if you're taking notes, point number one is this, God made the human creation uniquely. You see this. Humanity is made in the image of God. Verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Did you notice that? Right here, God reveals his plan to make a creature similar to himself. And of, and of all the creatures that were made, and oh my goodness, God made some creative creatures, didn't he? I mean, of all the creatures that he made, there's only one that's said to be in the image of God. Man. And you should know about Wayne Grudem's book, Systematic Theology. It's a book you ought to have in your library. But Wayne Grudem says this, man in God's image means that man is like God, man represents God. And notice verse 26, if you look at that, that word image and the Hebrew word for likeness, it refers to something that's similar, but it's not identical to the thing that it represents. That's kind of what it means. God, God did not make us identical to him, but he made us similar. And, and so many people unpack what this means. And, 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 and when Moses wrote this, when Moses wrote to God's people, the original readers understood that, that the image of God, uh, that means that, that man was like God and he represents God to the world. That's how those, those original readers would have read that. And, 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 and there's some intended ways that we're to act. Like, like when you think about uh, the comparison of what, how God made us in his image. Man in the image of God means that, that we have intellectual ability, right? We can think and, and we should think and we should learn to think and process. And, and, and when we like to figure things out as humanity, we like to, uh, to reverse engineer things and explore places where we've never been. And, and, and Kendall, I think about your dissertation on that stuff you wrote about, which blows my mind. And we like to figure things out. And, it's, and that's intellectual ability. Man has the ability to make moral decisions. Though unlike God, we, we have a sinful nature. God does not have a sinful nature. God put inside of us a sense of right. There's a draw for us to live right. That's a human tendency. That's part of the image of God. Man in the image of God points to creativity, right? We, 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 uh, God is creative in what he's done, and, and in his image, he moves us to be creative too. And, and, and I think about being in this part of the world, and, and the, the day that they dug into the ground in Tulsa, and all of a sudden, black stuff started pouring out of the, out of the earth. And, and somehow, people looked at that and said, huh, I think we can make something out of that. And, and, and it's called energy, and, and it's oil, and the, the natural gas pipelines, and all those things. It's, it's crazy what happens with those things. Man is creative. Man likes to create music. We like to create art. We like to create structures just because we can. Man in the image of God is creative. Man also has a, has a spiritual awareness God put in us, that, that humanity seeks 
for purpose in life, and, and we recognize purpose in death, and we see this, and, and God put in us this recognition of, of life after death, and there's going to be eternity in the future. And, and, and from the very beginning, mankind has been drawn to this reality of life after the grave, and that's being in the image of God. Well, let's notice the text. Look what it says. It says, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And, and humanity is intended to rule over earthly creations. And so it's natural for us to hunt, to farm, to kill a snake, right? I hate snakes. Oh my goodness, I hate snakes. I remember uh, my first church, Justin Beatles, who's a pastor in Stillwater. Uh, we were on his farm and we'd jump out. He said, stop the car. We'd jump out of the car and he grabs this snake on the side of the road. I don't know how he saw it. And he's a tough country boy and he's a preacher, and he could whip my rear in any situation except this one because he looked at me and said, I'm going to throw this snake on you. And I said, if you do, I will whip your rear right here. And I was so scared, he believed me. And, and I said, okay, well, let's let it go and let's leave. And he goes, now i got to kill it. It's biblical. Genesis 3 said to crush its head. And so Justin grabs his snake, starts swinging it like a whip, popped its head off, and I was like, Wow, I've never seen that in all of my life. And I was ready to go. But that was the moment that I realized for the rest of my life, I'm going to have people around me that grew up in the country because they just know stuff. And I'm glad we rule over creatures like snakes. Thank the Lord. It's verse 27. So God created man in, the, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. God made man in the likeness, in his likeness. And, it's, and, and you know, we get this a few chapters later in Genesis 5.3. Think about this. The, we, we were created in the likeness of God. It's kind of like what, what, what um, in Genesis 5.3, Adam, it says, Adam lived 130 years and fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. Now, Seth was not identical to Adam, but it's kind of like if you've ever looked at my wife and then had my daughters stand next to her, they go, oh, they're mother-daughter. They look alike. Thank the Lord. That's an answer to prayer that they look like their mother. But, but, but you know, it's the likeness. Humanity is created in the likeness of God. Look at verse 27. Male and female, he created them. Now, let's recognize this. Humanity is made male and female. Now, even though for most of history, this was not a controversial statement, but the reality is in 2021, this biblical revelation has become one of the most controversial cultural concepts. Like I went to the doctor the other day and I was I got, a, I got a form that was filling out, what gender are, do you identify with? And there's a list. And I was like, well, um, I'm not being disrespectful, but, but I, I, I do need to say, and I think it's important to note that, that we don't come to the Bible with our preferences. We come to the Bible as authoritative. And, and the Bible, uh, the cultural shift that is is taking place in front of our eyes is inconsistent with the revealed Word of God. And, and the reality of, of, of man, think about this man looking at God 
and saying, I decide what I am. It, it's, it, it really is simple. It's just in line with Isaiah 53, the problem of humanity that we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. But, but the good news is the Lord laid on, on Jesus the iniquity of us all. And so, verse 28, this is what's so important. Because when you step outside of God's creation, it's, it's not a blessing, but when you live in God's creation, look at verse 28, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And, and, and we see over and over again, the scripture points to the fact that humanity is made in the image of God. Humanity is intended to rule over earthly creatures. The identity of humanity is male and female. And this is the key word, the identity of humanity has been given to us. Point number two is very important. Human identity is given by God. And... and and you know what? There are so many negative implications when we lose sight that God created male and female humanity in his image. We have things in history like the race massacre that takes place because we begin to divide over language, over color of skin, over economics, and we begin to divide. And you know what God does? God, from the very beginning, said to humanity, look, you are not to be divided. God said, I'm creative. And I created humanity in the image, in my image. Identity is a big word in Oxford Dictionary. I'm going to give it to you. It says this, identity um, is the condition of being the same in substance, composition, nature, properties, or qualities. It is the sameness of a person or thing at all times in all circumstances. I think this is a good definition. And in Genesis one twenty six, God's people, he told God's people this from the beginning. He told them that, that they needed to understand their identity in him. And, 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 and he says in Genesis 1.26, God determines humanity's existence. That God gave you your identity. He gave us our identity. That, and, and it was good. And in Genesis 1.27, God not only gave us an identity, but he gave us a purpose. This is important to understand. You know, identity is something that all people, we ought to have. We need an identity, but we need to recognize our God-given identity. That's important. You know, and let's think about this. Because identity comes from a supernatural source, and this is very controversial, but this is biblically accurate. Because our identity comes from a supernatural source, it is wrong to make distinctions by race, by class, by gender. It's wrong. The Bible's clear on this. And when we divide over these things, and, and that's what we're seeing right now play out in our city. And this is why we, we, we must pray for this. This is what we've seen over and over again in history. 
And Genesis 1 reveals our common identity that we were all made in the image of God. And, and so many problems come about when we start making distinctions. Now, let's think about this, and I need you to think with me. We need to understand humanity in the image of God because, and, and I put this on the screen, the imago Dei, which is the image of God, shifts focus from ourselves to see what God is like. And this is something that's very important. We, we, we sometimes see man in the image of God because we look at us. But really what we're supposed to do is learn about God. Learn what God is like. And, 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 and when we see what God is like, you know what's interesting is we start to imitate him. And, and it's good for us to imitate him. And, and when humanity really sees God, we begin to imitate God. And we don't worship our race we don't worship our nation. And we don't worship our family. We don't worship our money. We don't worship our career. The Bible calls that idolatry. And we see this played out over and over again in our culture. We're to worship God. Because when we, we know this, when, when, when things become object of worship, they become idols. And, and let, let, let us, one of the values of our church is that we worship God here. We don't worship a pastor. We don't worship a church. We don't, we, we worship God. Because it's interesting, human beings are the only creatures who become like what we worship, don't we? We become like this. And, and, the, and the problems that are existing in our society is that we are worshiping the wrong things. Our focus is off the Lord. And it was God's intention from, for humanity from the beginning um, to worship, worship him and to see the image of God in us. Our, and when you think about our identity, let's think about it. Our identity is a gift that we've been given, but it's also a task that we have. And we've got to think about this a little bit. God gave us our identity and our response to to our identity matters. And what I pray we do is we stop we stop ignoring the image of God in humanity. You know, when you think about what Jesus did, um, God made each human being in his image, and this is something we got to accept but we also must surrender to God's will and God's plan. He's got a plan for you. He's got a, he's got a calling. He's got an identity he's given you. He's also got a purpose for you. And, and the problem in our culture is we're becoming wise in our own eyes versus submitting to the Lord, submitting to the wisdom of God. And I want to caution us, even as believers, to, to, to that tendency to become wise in our own eyes. And here's what I pray. You realize that human identity is fulfilled when we live out the imago day of humanity. Now, here's what I mean by that. That your purpose, your identity will be fulfilled when you start following the Lord, when you look to Jesus. And so, you know, these are, these are deep concepts to process. Man in the image of God the revealed word of God. But, but, it's, but it's important for us as humans 
this humanity to, to, to live out God's purpose. You know what I pray? You know what God's planted us here? To help our city, to help people around us, people in 2021 and, and moving forward, to live in the purposes of God. And so here's the first challenge. We've got to move from theology to practice. We've got to stop warping God's image. You know, when I look at the race massacre, what happened 100 years ago, that was a warping of the image of God. When I look at um, the gender struggles in the world, that is warping the image of God. And I pray that we stop warping God's image. Now, here's the, that's a true statement, but here's the problem with that statement. Do you realize you cannot do that on your own? That there's no way any human being can stop warping the image of God on his own. And here's what I mean by that. You need a Savior. I need a Savior. And, and, and you know what? The first step in stopping the distortion of God's image is that you come to know Christ. You know, Jesus, he preached the greatest sermon ever preached. And it's in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It is the greatest sermon ever, ever preached. You know how he started that sermon? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And, and, and basically what Jesus is saying there, he's starting with this, this reality that, that, that you are poor in spirit. And when you come to recognize your spiritual poverty, that is the first step into the ceasing. That's probably bad grammar. The ceasing of the warping of God's image. That's not how I wrote it down, but that works right now. We've got to stop warping the image, but we can't do that on our own. You need a Savior. Deliverance is not in a vaccine. Deliverance is not in our, in our creativity or in, or in modern technology. Deliverance is not in the science. Deliverance is only found in Christ and it's interesting as societies modernize and, and death gets further and further away from us. We, we, mankind actually believes there's going to be a day that we won't die. But let me tell you something, you will die. And, and see, we need a Savior because the day that you draw your last breath, you need a Savior. In fact, you need a Savior right now. And the only way we can stop distorting the image of God is to recognize that we are poor in spirit, to recognize our sin and, and mourn over our sin. You know what that's called? It's called repentance. It's called turning to Jesus. And this is my prayer that we stop warping God's image. And, and this is why if you're here today, Jesus is your only hope. I pray you come to him. The first step 
The only way to stop warping God's image is to come to Jesus for salvation. And then what happens? The Holy Spirit moves in you and builds in you the image of God. He imparts salvation to you just like he imparted your identity to you, and he gives you salvation. And if you'll come to him, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, Jesus will save you. Second thing, we, we, once, once that happens, you, you, you begin to grow in God's image. And this is something I pray we do as believers. I would say a lot of people in this room are believers. We, we know Christ is our Savior. We've repented of our sins. We, we've been touched by the forgiveness of God. Now it's time to grow up in God's image. And, and, and how, what does that look like? Well, Jesus gave us the great commission, which is what we are on. We are called to, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all things. And, and God will be with us and, and God is with us now. And I want us to realize that, that God is with us during these trying days and, and tense moments in, in culture. God is with us. And he will not leave us or forsake us. And we've got to realize that in spite of the tensions. God, Jesus didn't just give us the great commission. He gave, gave us the great commandment too in Mark chapter, chapter 12, verse 29 through 31. And Jesus was questioned. He says, uh, what was the mo- what's the most important commandment? He says, it's this, to hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the great commandment. Let's grow up in our love for one another. Our, or excuse me, our love for God first. Let's learn to love God with our heart. That's what he says, love the Lord God with all your heart. We're, we're, we're gonna be a people that's solely devoted to the Lord. Let's learn to love God with all our soul. We're passionate about the Lord. We're passionate about, about growing up in the Lord. Uh, let's love the Lord with our minds. We have to learn how to think. We have to learn how to process the messages come our, coming our way. And we have to learn to... To, 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 to learn what the Word of God says so we can recognize false teaching when we see it. We've got to learn to love the Lord with our minds. We've got to be people that think and process and discern and, and pay attention to what is true and false. Because there are some truths, there are some falsehoods we need to understand. And it's my prayer that we as a church, we love the Lord with our minds. We, we love the Lord with our strength. That, and you know what? I, we will be, we got to become a people who, who follow the Lord in every circumstance. Let's think about this. When, when the seas are, are calm and all is bright, we follow the Lord. When, when God's favor is on our life, we follow the Lord. When our boat is tossed and it's wavy and it's scary, we follow the Lord. We trust the Lord. When, when we wonder, God, are you even going to keep us safe? We follow the Lord. We trust the Lord. And that's what it looks like to love the Lord with your strength. But let's not miss the second part of that great commandment. We love our neighbor as ourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. But love your neighbor as yourself. We, of all people that know Christ as our Savior, ought to be, excuse me, ought to be leading the way in loving our neighbor. And we know who our neighbor is. Luke chapter 10, Jesus just flat out told us, here's your neighbor. 
And he told the great parable of the good Samaritan. We, that's the example in Scripture. That's what Christians look like in the world, that we love our neighbor as ourselves. And when we live this way, you know what we're doing? We are imitating God's image. And I want to challenge us, let's imitate God's image. Let's imitate it. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, such a great challenge. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So this is why I want to challenge us. I pray we are a church that recognizes the imparted image of God. I pray that we, at this time, Oh my goodness, at this time, more than ever, we are, we are becoming a church that is learning to pray. I was so encouraged on Wednesday night. On Wednesday night, um, we had several of our people that have been coming to our prayer time that, that started going back to Corral, which I'm glad, glad Corral has started again. But I was thinking, man, we're going to be really, really down at our prayer time tonight. We're not going to have as many people come to our prayer time. We had, we had 20 people come to our prayer time on Wednesday night. Yeah, clap for that. Let's go. Let's clap for that. But let's lament that for a second. We had 20 people come to our prayer time. We're, we're praying on Wednesday nights from 6.30 to 7.30. We're praying and, and I'll tell you what, this is a time that we need to pray. Let's be a people that pray. Because when we pray, God moves us. Let's know the word. Let's understand the word. Let's, let's submit to the, the revealed word of God, how the spirit of God is moving us. Let, let's build relationships with one another, with outsiders in our community. Shouldn't we be connecting with lost people, people that don't know the Savior? Because isn't, didn't Jesus do that? Wasn't he criticized for going and spending time with people that were different? Shouldn't that be our, shouldn't that be our pursuit? Now, we've got to be the influencer rather than the influenced. But oh my goodness, God moves us to build relationships and then, you know what, we, we yield to the Holy Spirit. So the challenge for us. Will and Rhonda, would you put our memory verse back up on our screen? Let's look at this memory verse again. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing. The way I used to remember, the way I memorized it, as you trust in him. So that, look at that, so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You may overflow with hope 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is our call, right? Over the next several weeks, we are turning our face to the image of God in humanity. Let's pray. Let's let's study the word. Let's look for the relational connections. And let's yield to the Spirit of God. I don't know how God has spoken to you today. But I pray that you would submit to him. I want to be a... I want to be a pastor that submits to God. Now more than ever, in this time in the history of the world, we find the most joy when we submit to God. Oh, I plead with you. Submit to him. Because you know what you'll find? You'll find life life. You'll find peace. You'll find hope. And I wish so bad, if you don't know Christ, I wish I could just grab my heart and just stick it in you for just a little bit to experience the joy and the strength and the power and the hope that overflows in you regardless of the trials and circumstances. Would you stand where you are? Father, we... Our heart is heavy for people in our city. And we are the light of the world. We are like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And Father, I'm convicted of that old song that I sang as a child. This little light of mine. Lord, may we let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, no. We will let it shine. I pray that, Lord, that in the midst of tensions, we would overflow with hope by your power. We admit, Lord, that the, the issues are intense, and we need your wisdom. We need your help. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you meet us right where you are, right where we are. So move us now as we worship, as we respond in this moment and in the coming moments. Lead us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.